0: Our struggles do not make us special. Our hardship does not make us special. What makes us special? What makes us a inspirational story or what makes us a success story? It's not what we went through. It's who it
1: helps us become on the other end. This is episode number 38 with Philip Andrew Barb. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. My name is Tibor Nagy, mindset and performance coach and the founder of Mindset Horizon. The mission of this weekly show is to reveal the disruptive mindset of purpose-driven entrepreneurs, high performers, visionaries and change makers so you can transform your mindset, realize your full potential and execute on your dreams. Thank you so much for tuning in today, now let's get started! What is up, Mindset Nation? Welcome back to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm excited to announce that today's episode is brought to you by Podcasters Paradise. As a mission and impact-driven entrepreneur, thought leader, visionary, and change maker, have you ever thought of increasing your online visibility, building credibility, and scaling your impact and business by starting your own podcast? If you answer this question with hell yeah, Now this is your chance. According to Edison research in the US, podcasting is one of the fastest growing medium. Since I started podcasting, I knew I needed to invest in myself, learn more about podcasting, and surround myself with the best minds in the podcasting industry. This is how I became part of the number one online community for podcasters, called Podcasters Paradise, created by John Lee Dumas, founder and host of Entrepreneurs on Fire, one of the most successful, top-ranked and award-winning podcasts. So if you're ready to start your own podcast, build credibility, and scale your impact and business, I highly recommend checking out Podcasters Paradise at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash paradise. That's again MindsetHorizon.com forward slash paradise. You can also find the links on our show notes page at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash podcast. If you have any questions after checking out the Podcasters Paradise page, or you want to know more about my incredibly positive experiences with Podcasters Paradise, shoot me an email at Tibor at MindsetHorizon.com or DM me on Instagram at Tibor.MindsetHorizon. I'm very much looking forward to hearing from you. And so without further ado, Let's dive into today's episode. My guest today is Philip Andrew Barb and in today's episode we talk about Philip's incredible personal story, how he overcame adversities in his life and how it helped him become who he really is and how you can do that too. We talk about the importance of overcoming your ego and how to live an authentic life in alignment with your true self. Philip also shares a really important message from his new book, All the reasons I hate my 20 year old boss, which is the importance of silencing the advice monster and how to become a transformational communicator by asking questions and truly connecting with others in the workplace. And now a couple of words about today's guest. So Philip Andrew Barb is a two times daytime Emmy nominated TV producer, leadership coach and keynote speaker based in Los Angeles, California. The Michigan State University graduate holds credits with Netflix, Fox, YouTube Red, CBS, E! Entertainment, Facebook Watch, A&E, and is a member of both the Producers Guild of America and the TV Academy. In December 2019, Barb released his first book, All The Reasons I Hate My 28-Year-Old Boss. The business self-help book is entertaining, comedic and motivational while it tackles some of the common frustrations, annoyances and mental hang-ups of being a member of today's millennial-driven workforce. And so Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Hi Philip, and welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm excited.
1: Yeah, man. Thank you so much for for coming on the show. I'm really excited and honored. So you're a television producer, motivational speaker, media coach, and author uh, from Los Angeles, California. As I mentioned before, one of my dream cities, and maybe I'm going to you know, end up living there. Who knows?
0: <laughs> come on, come on out, man. We, uh, we you know, there's uh, Los Angeles is, you know, it really is an amazing city. And I can, you know, I, I can relate with that. You know, I grew up in uh, Metro yeah. Detroit. So I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, but even as a young kid, I always had that, like, Oh, man, I want to move to, I want to move out to Cali, man, I want to move to Los Angeles. I remember being in, you know, like the second grade, right or maybe not maybe not that young maybe like the sixth grade writing a paper about how i was going to be living on a beach house in the pacific ocean so uh you know uh, watching all the movies and films I, I totally am with you man i I always wanted to move to cali and uh and now i'm out here yeah. and i get angry when i say cali because you're not supposed to say cali you just call it california <laughs>
1: yeah 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 i just heard i just heard it from someone and I think I have two reasons for that. So when I was a teenager, uh, 15, 16, I used to do skateboarding. And so I was you know, obsessed with um, California as one of the biggest spots for skateboarders and extreme sports. So I was yeah, driven by that uh, vision, so to speak. And later on, uh, now, as I'm doing this podcast and such, as I was observing different podcasters, I've seen that, you know, that place is really... A place where a lot of people are moving to so louis house tom bill impact theory so all those big podcasts or hosts that i've been following in the last couple of years are there for some reason i don't know but that seems to be like a you know gathering spot or something like that so i think it's you know
0: los angeles is definitely the hub of entertainment um in america and then some would argue in the world right i mean so much comes out of here you know, we've got the the major uh, talent agencies are all based out of here. Uh, you know, we have all of the networks are here. It's, if you want to be part of the entertainment industry and kind of be, you know, there's just so much activity here. And I think that that's one thing that even as someone that's, I've been living in Los Angeles now for uh, over 11 years, I think it's something that I often even forget, just the, the truth of like, you can meet with people in person. You can go to these places. I could run down to Gary V's warehouse and <laughs> uh, place if I wanted to. Uh, and I think that that is something where it, it, it yeah. is a it is a, a very, very cool hub. Now it is an expensive hub. You know, that's obviously one thing that a lot yeah, of us yeah, deal yeah. with. But um, you know, the cool thing that I, that I like about, you know, as you mentioned, you being a skateboarder that kind of popped up in my head. Yeah. I've always said, I think that there's something very special about the sport of skateboarding and about extreme sports that I think you know. A lot of times people have this stereotype of a skateboarder as this like stoner who doesn't want to do anything with his life. That all he wants to do is kickflips, right? And uh, and grind yeah. on rails in places he <laughs> shouldn't be. But, you know, but I think a lot of people fail to understand the resilience that it takes to be a skateboarder. The it is a I mean, even in, in, you play football, you play basketball, sure. You miss shots or whatever, but like everyone is kind of doing it, but in skateboarding, there is a, no one, nobody, no one lands a kickflip the first time they try it ever, yeah. you know, no one, nobody lands the perfectly every time there is so much failure in skateboarding that you have to overcome that. I think that it's such a sport that builds resilience in people. Uh, and I think a lot of times it doesn't get its it doesn't get its credit the way that it should be. So I think it's really awesome that you grew up as a border, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, wow. such a great analogy. I haven't thought about that, but, yeah, definitely. So mastering you know tricks and all that stuff that requires resilience and you know, pushing yourself, stepping out of comfort zones and all that stuff. so that's that's a great analogy
0: a- and an acceptance and an acceptance that you are going to fail. I think, you know, so many of, you know, like, because you know, you're going to fail, you're okay with it. And you're willing to do it. I'm always inspired. When I watch videos of guys hitting, you know, jumping off a, you know, hitting like a 10 stair uh, staircase and they fall. And then they immediately, there's not even a hesitation. They grab their board, they write back to it. And it's like that element of uh, perseverance and uh, acceptance of the of knowing you're going to fail, knowing it's probably going to hurt, but knowing you really want it, so you're going to keep doing it. I think there's something about it that a lot of us can learn as we as we look at our lives as entrepreneurs, as you know, business people, or as or you know, people launching podcasts or whatever it's going to be. Um, that acceptance, if you can accept early on that there's going to be failure, there's going to be hardship, there's going to be struggle. Uh, if you can accept that from the jump then it's, you're, you're that much more prepared when it does come and it doesn't knock you off your doesn't knock you off your horse, so to speak.
1: Wow, man, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. I think this is the very first time I talked about this topic and you brought up so many great insights from that, uh, from skateboarding. That's, that's really amazing. So I shared a couple of times that I used to work as an architect, now this skateboarding thing. But actually, I want to focus on your story. So First off, congratulations on your uh, new book, which is called All the Reasons I Hate My 28-Year-Old Boss, How to Fight Back Against Ageism and Survive a Youth-Focused Workplace. We are going to talk about the book, but first off, I want to start with your story. So talk to us a little bit how you got where you are today, you know, TV producer, motivational speaker, and all those things that you are, yeah, just aspiring to do.
0: Yeah, man, I, I always joke that I'm I'm single, so I have nothing but time to, to work on all this stuff. But,
1: um, Welcome to the you club.
0: Know, right, you know, uh, you know the truth. You know, for me, uh, you know, I mentioned I, I grew up in um, I grew up in Metro Detroit, and I kind of grew up with a family that was, you know, my dad was a police officer, my mother was involved in in school board and uh, you know local government, and so I kind of grew up always. Uh, you know, watching them interact in the community. And I always loved that. I loved the social aspect of what I saw out of their lives. So I was always a very social kid. Uh, I really, you know, I played sports growing up. I was involved in theater. I loved media production. So a lot of those things were kind of, you know, I never, I didn't know if I was going to make a career of it. I mean, here's the thing like, I also wanted to be a pro football player and I also thought I was going to be a lawyer. You know, <laughs> so it's like, you know, when you're that young, you don't really know what you're going to get into. But, you know, for yeah. me, one of the crazy things that happened was, you know, I, I excelled in school and then it very quickly, as you start to, you know, for me as a kid, as I started to get, uh, notice for being a good student, I started to develop like this fear that like, Oh my God, now I have to keep this up. You know, Oh my God, like I'm a good student. I have to keep this up now. Uh, Oh, it's only a matter of time before I fail. I get good in sports. Oh my God. It's only a time before I let everybody down. And I don't know where that came from. Uh, to be honest, I wish I would know so I could like go back and nip it out. But you know, watching, uh, having parents that were, that were doing a lot of cool things. I wanted to be a kid that did a lot of cool things. And yeah. so I wanted to be a straight A kid. I wanted to be great in sports. But then also growing up in, you know, Metro Detroit, I had a lot of friends that were, uh, you know, not, not to call everybody knuckleheads, but we are doing some dumb things and wild things. And Uh, And I always wanted to be, you know, cool enough and funny enough and smart enough to be able to kick it with those guys. So I was kind of experiencing where I was torn at times between wanting to be this poster child, perfect little kid, and then kind of being, you know, cool enough to hang with my homies. And I started to develop that mask that a lot of us understand that we develop is like, who am I here? Who am I over here? How do I behave with this group of people? How do I behave differently? you know, the problem with that is that you do it long enough and you start to kind of lose track of who you really are. Uh, you're, you're starting to chase everything. And i I was trying to be, um, very external in, in all of my attention getting, I wanted, I, I, it wasn't, I wasn't doing things for me. Um, you know, I was still performing well in the classroom. I was still playing well in sports. Uh, and the, but the unfortunate thing was hanging out with a lot of those older kids, you know, when, when they were 15, 16, 17 years old and they started experimenting with alcohol and with drugs, you know, I was, I was 11. So the first time I ever got drunk at a party, I was like 11 years old. And, mm. and that first time, those first times when I would drink, you know, it wasn't like the dare messages were telling me. It wasn't like these awful moments. Like I kind of loved it. I loved the escape. I loved being able to get out of my head. And I loved that I no longer cared who my parents were. In what my last name was, it allowed me to just really zone in and be like, "Hey, I don't, you know, to tr- I don't give an f right now. Like, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do because I want to do it." And yeah. that lack of coping skill is kind of what led me to start using alcohol a little bit more, more than recreationally, to kind of cope with some of the normal adolescent things. Uh, you know, a, a big monumental moment that happened in my life when I was when I was 15 years old. My mother was diagnosed with cancer. And we had a, we had a year long battle with her and she went through chemotherapy and you know, the whole thing, you know, the, you know, the color of her skin started to change. Her eyes started to change, like lost all of her hair. And the unfortunate thing was we actually lost my mother after 11, uh, or we lost her after 11 month battle with cancer. And so for me, I was, it was a week before my 16th birthday. So you take a kid who is, you know struggling with the normal adolescent thing or just being a kid trying to grow up and figure it all out. You add a little bit, you sprinkle a little bit of alcohol use in there early on. And now you have the death of a parent. And I just kind of became a very, very, uh, you know, I was like a recipe for disaster. I started, uh, you know, I was still, I had the mask. I still knew how to keep the mask on and to keep all of the different, um, you know, people would be able to, uh, I needed to keep this facade up. So I could do that. But when I was alone, man, oh, dude, I was sad and angry and frustrated and, and confused. Wow. I didn't know, really know how to process a lot of stuff. And so I turned to alcohol, um, you know, that ended up leaning into, you know, for me to, to make a long story short, right. It, that ended up me, you know, I, I, I crashed my car at 18 years old uh, on a freeway, uh, drinking and driving. Um, I, I got arrested. You know, once I, I did get to college, I went to Michigan State University And I got arrested at 19. I got arrested again at 20 for alcohol-related offenses. I got into a lot of fights. And I was, you know, and here's the thing. To an outsider, like, there were a lot of moments of where I still was doing a lot. I was still making the dean's list at school. I was still performing well. Um, So a lot of times, you know, the reason I say that is is we can't always just look at the outside of somebody's life to really know what's really truly going on inside. Um, Mm -hmm. I had... I had kind of developed this thing of almost what I call um, like rehearsed vulnerability. I I had learned how to share enough with you so that you would leave me alone. You know, like I knew if I, I knew if people asked me about my mother and if I completely shut down and I didn't talk about it, I knew that I would, it would, it would raise red flags, but So I learned how to give a little bit without actually being really authentic and really true to who I was. And it trapped me, you know, and I think that's the one thing that, you know, how people, what people can take away from it is we trap ourselves because of our secrets. You know, our secrets are, they hold us in the dark. And a lot of times the things that we aren't sharing with people, or we're not communicating with people, the, the lack of coping skills, it shows up in other areas of life. And in, for me, with that mask, even wearing those masks, when I would overachieve or when I would perform well, or when I would get a compliment from somebody, because I wasn't giving them my full self, because I wasn't truly bringing everything of me to the table, it felt that these, these compliments were for this other thing that I've created. It, was, it wasn't for me. So I felt really like, even in moments of success, I felt very lonely and dis you know disengaged with people um where it changed for me uh and i i know this is a long story so i'll I'll try to wrap it up i had a note that said keep it short which i'm incapable of doing
1: first off thank you so much i really appreciate you sharing this story i think you know there are a lot of things in it that people can learn from and also maybe some of them might resonate with it to some extent so i wanted to ask you like um you know you talked about really important topics such as authenticity you know being vulnerable uh, being who you really are and so I wanted to ask you how you how you you know overcame these struggles or how you found yourself or what did you do how was basically the story <laughs> unfolding
0: yeah definitely you know for me You know, I, like I mentioned, you know, I I crashed my car at 18. I got arrested at 19, arrested again at 21. And then when I was getting ready to move, I was getting ready to move to California from, from Detroit and 11 days before I moved, I got arrested uh, a fourth time for, uh, drinking and driving. And this time I wasn't able to kind of weasel my way out of it. There were, there were a lot of really significant repercussions uh, you know, I always kind of joke that the state of Michigan told me that I was no longer allowed to consume alcohol. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of, at that point I got, I got, um, sent sentence recommended, whatever you want to call it, uh, put into, um, you know, a 12 step treatment program. And Mm -hmm. for me, you know, it wasn't just about like, I, you know, I had issues with alcohol but it wasn't the alcohol uh, dependency for me nearly as much as it was what I was using it to escape and what I was using it to cope with. And what was really the deeper, deeper issues that I was dealing with. I was an angry kid who was confused and sad that his mom was dead and I didn't know how to handle the world. That was the truth. That was why I was acting out. And so once I started to identify that and realize it and was able to start going through the process of understanding who I was, what made me tick, why, where was the real pain? What was really going on? uh, It it gave me that. And, you know, the one thing I'll say is, you know, when I got to 12 step recovery and I started to be able to meet people who Mm -hmm. they treated me, you know, my whole life, I had believed that I needed to earn love. I needed to earn respect. I needed to prove that I was good enough. It, it was always this, I need to prove something. I'm not good enough who I am. I have to prove it to you. I have to kick sure. in the door and make sure everyone knows that I'm here now. And when I got to the recovery in environment and people just loved me and they would listen to me and they accepted me without any, without any back end, you know, need, uh, there was no ulterior motive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was, it, yeah. and it was because they loved themselves so much that they were so able to give love so freely. And when I experienced that, it completely, it was life altering. It, it, it completely changed the way that I looked at people, the way that I, I you know, it, it was just such an, in, an amazing environment. And when you see people living that way, man, is it freeing, especially when everything, in my life it was about meritocracy. Who am I better than? Who is not who's better than me? How do I stack up against everything was this massive ranking system in my in my internal dialogue? So once I got into an environment and I saw people living lives in a way that they weren't they weren't slaves to that type of hierarchy system, it was it, it really resonated with me. I got in deep, I started learning. And you know, the funny thing is. You know, looking back on it, there were elements of it that really started to to set the groundwork for the book that I just wrote. All the reasons I hate my twenty eight year old boss because I I, since I can remember, I've always been obsessed with age. Right? Like, you know, how you know how old do I? You know, how old or you know what's the average income of a twenty five year old? You know, like what is you know how how many Everything from, and I hate to admit it, but like how many women do most people sleep with or how many sexual partners do people have at this age, at this age? You know, I was so obsessed with, you know, and if you think about it, right, there's there's legal ages for drinking, for when you're allowed to drive a car, when you can buy cigarettes. When, like, it, it, it feels like there's all these limits on when we can do things. So we get, yeah, a yeah. lot of times people get very attached to age. And what does age mean? What does it mean to be a 21 year old? What does it mean to be a 25 or 30? So mm. that world, you know, I had always been taught to rate or I had always been raised to respect my elders, but I respected yeah. you enough to where I wasn't going to like push you down the stairs, but I didn't think that you had anything for me. And, but the thing that recovery gave me was an access to people that were so far outside of my age range. I got sober at 23 and when I was coming into a lot of the, or, I'm sorry, at 22 and when I came into recovery circles, I started making friends with people that were in their 40s, people that were in their 50s, people that were in their 60s. And I started to identify with them and relate with them and learn from them. And it really helped me break down this ego of being a young, I'm going to make shit happen. I'm going to do it. You know, that that ego of being just a young person really helped me out and gave me such a wider appreciation for people that are older than me. And it really did kind of help lay the groundwork. You know, now with a book that, uh, you know, all I want to do is help bridge the generation gap. It really has become, it really set the groundwork for it.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, as you were talking about, uh, of course, uh, a lot of things, but one thing stood out, uh, which was ego. And you mentioned competition a lot of times, which is, I think might be a huge struggle for a lot of people. I mean, When it comes to, for example, you know, comparing myself to others. And um, yeah, that is, especially on social media, when we are entrepreneurs, let's say, oh, this person has, you know, this many followers, that many followers or whatever the case is. But actually, Dr. Wayne Dyer came to my mind because he talks about the six rules that the ego teaches us. And he says, the ego teaches us that who I am is what I have or who I am is what I do. Who I am is what I accomplish or who I am is what other people think of me. And this is huge. This was a huge realization for me because I was always very obsessed with what other people thought of me. Right. And I was, you know, I valued myself based on other people's perceptions. So it's, it's, it's kind of like a, yeah. A trap or something like that.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing kind of your, your side, because I think it is that, that external, um, that, that those external things that we feel make us who we are. It, you know, like it's really easy to get caught up into those traps. You know, when I was early yeah. in recovery, that was something I learned where it was like, you know, I learned, I had to learn not to compare myself to other people. I needed to be able to relate with people and, you know, also, And I know you mentioned, you know, you have a lot of entrepreneurs and people that follow this. So a lot of us follow some of the same people, right? The Gary V's and the Tony Robbins, you know, or we, we look at the, you know, the mama mentality of a Kobe Bryant, or we look at the the success of a, of a Steve jobs. And we hold ourselves to those standards And and while it's important for us to be pushing ourselves and thinking out, you know, wanting to grow, we all that those that's not us. You like have to also understand at times we like the best thing that we can do is not try to become somebody else, but try to really tune into who we are and what we want and what's the motivations we want. You know, yeah. I always, I, I, I talk at a lot of high schools and I talk with a lot of parents and there's times where I often joke with them. Like how many of you, how many of you have encouraged or pushed your kid to become a doctor or a lawyer and hands will go up. And I'm like, how many of you, have no experience with a doctor or a lawyer and even know what that life looks like and hands Mm -hmm. go up. And it's like, we have people that are telling others, Hey, you should live like this. You should get up at 5. AM because I do it. You should do this because I found success in it. And the best thing that we can do, you know, when, when we read books, when we follow people online, when we listen to podcasts, the thing that I loved, and I took this away from recovery is Mm -hmm. take Take what works and leave the rest. If there are things like some people get up at five a.m., other people get up at eight a.m., other people work into the the late hours of the night. To try to compare yourself with each of those people, you're always that's going to be impossible because everyone is living differently. Mm. The best thing yeah. that we can do is is test things out, try some of these suggestions, but we need to be able to filter all that information and make sure we're figuring out what is the right system for us and not trying to be Gary V 2.0, not trying to be the <laughs> next Tony Robbins, not trying to be, you know, to, to honor, you know, the, the Mamba mentality with Kobe. Like we need to be able to own who we are and just try to get a little bit better each day as ourselves, but mm. trying to chase you know the the success the, the ghosts of success of other people it's always going to be a very, a a very difficult and, um, and it's going to put us in, you know, it doesn't put us in a very healthy mindset, I, I believe.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Uh, so many great, great, great insights. Uh, you know, I think success is very visible, especially when it comes to social media and we forget to look at the path, uh, that person, you know, has has gone through or, or chosen, you know, to get to that point where they are, even if it's a Tony Robbins or whoever it is, you know, we don't necessarily see those those 20 years or maybe more or less, I don't know, put into that, you know, endeavor so they can achieve that amount of success. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I wanted to ask you about your current focuses before we you know, talk about the book so that the listeners know how you can be of service to them. So you mentioned that, for example, uh, you're a speaker and because of your story, I guess, you talk about leadership, you know, uh, peer pressure, substance abuse, social media influence, but you're also a coach and TV producer and author. So a couple of words about those focus areas maybe for the listeners just to, yeah.
0: Definitely. And you know, I, I, one of the things that I, I talk about and get asked about a lot is, you know, so often we hear these things of, Hey, you got to pick one focus and you got to go in on that. And like, you don't want to be spread too thin. Um, yeah. that was never my personality type. I've always, and I think a lot of us resonate with that, right? Like I've, I've wanted, I've always loved TV and I wanted to get into TV. And then I really found, uh, I was enjoying coaching people and you know, look, there's not this rule that says you can only be one thing. Now you do, you know, if you're going to do multiple things, it is very important to make sure that you're being disciplined with your time. You're being intentional with how you design things and you're being realistic with your goals, right? Like if you're, you know, if you are going after five things, it's probably going to take a little bit longer than if you were only going after one and you have to be okay with that. But I don't think that it's necessarily this this oh my god you're spread too thin you can't do a lot of there's a we have thousands of examples of very very successful highly performing people that have been involved in multiple different uh sometimes you know uh, you know you know adjacent you know adjacently connected or completely opposite things and so i think you know for each of us we have to decide uh, making sure that we're not avoiding the most important thing for us Um, but also you know it's it, it, if you're not the type of person that's, you know, ready to burn the boats, right. So to speak that they always talk about, Oh, you got to burn the boats. <laughs> like, like, nah, man, I'm not at yeah. war, dude. Like, th- like to be honest. And like, I, I, I respect all of the, you know, I love guys like, uh, you know, uh, um, I'm, I'm trying to, Oh, Ryan holiday in the stoics. And I love these things. And I love these, the very military style, the Jocko's and the, but the trick Hey man, I'm in my apartment in LA, bro. I'm not at war. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it, it's, not, it's not life and death right now. And I'm sure, yeah, okay, you can uh, you can uh, chase life. Like, dude, war is not fun. Yeah, War is not fun. I'm not trying to have, I don't want to live a life of entrepreneur war. That, I don't feel. I want to have, I want to love my life. <laughs> and, and I want to be able to be good to people and enjoy it. So like, while I respect a lot of those different analogies, I don't think they always need to 100% apply where it's like, Oh, if you're not working right now, you're failing. It's like, nah, bro, it's okay to eat a cheesecake and go play basketball. Um, (laughs) But so, you know, so for me, it's like, you know, with coaching, I always, you know, coaching for me is not about trying to tell someone, Hey, this is, this is how I live. You need to be this way at all. Mm. When I coach, I'm always like, Hey, who are you? What are the goals that you're chasing? How do we get there? Let's build a game plan. Um, you know, let's build some strategy. Let's get it on paper. Um, you know, I want it to be fun. I don't want, you know, people get very nervous about coaching. Like, oh my God, who's this person? They're going to tell me how to live my life better and blah. I, dude, I work, some of my coaching clients make five times the amount of money that I make. You know what I'm saying? Like for me to, for me to sit and, and try to tell them, I know every little in and out of their business. No, they've been living their business for a very long time and they've been successful at it. The reason they want me to be there is so that I can say, I can ask the questions that they aren't necessarily asking themselves. I can be there to shut, to give them a little bit of a perspective shift. Um, because the truth is we, whether you're making $50,000 a year, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, maybe you're making $5 million a year. We're still human beings. And we have moments where we think that we're all up. We're about five minutes away from ruining everything. And that we're about 10 minutes away from everyone realizing that I'm just this idiot kid from wherever you're from, that you don't know what you're doing. And we all have that no matter what level of success. So that imposter syndrome is strong. Yeah. So I, you know, as a coach, I work on that, you know, speaking is just something I've always loved to do. And, uh, you know, I do, I speak with high school kids about substance abuse, but then I also speak at, um, you know, in corporate settings to people about leadership and in, in goal setting and different things and I, I do use my story because I think our stories are very important to be able to connect with others um, yeah you know the, the one thing I always do like to say is you know I learned this in television in television or film we have a there's a rule called the 180 rule of character development the 180 rule and that rule what? states basically that whoever the lead character starts as they finish the exact opposite at the end of the movie, right? You take a movie and I don't know if this movie is popular from where you were. It's a little bit older, but like the 40 year old virgin, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> he starts <laughs> the movie, right? He starts to think about it. He, Steve Carell's character. He starts the movie. Yeah. He's a virgin who has no friends and he doesn't date at all. That's it. That's it. That's who he starts as, right? Who does he end the movie as? He's now had sex. He's married and he has a great group of friends, right? It's the 180 rule. So it's who do you start as? You go through all of this crazy turmoil that makes it exciting, but then who do you become on the other end? Because that's the aspirational story. A lot of people, here's the thing. A lot of people's moms die. A lot of people lose a parent. A lot of people Mm. get sick. A lot of people lose a business. A lot of people have someone really close to them pass away. Everyone has struggle, hardship, and failure, right? Mm, Yeah. That doesn't, and, and I say this in the most loving way possible, our struggles do not make us special. Our hardship does not make us special. What we go through, the turmoil doesn't make us special. What makes us special, right? What makes Steve Carell's character special is who he becomes on the other side of the chaos. So for us, what makes us a inspirational story or what makes us a success story or what makes us whatever, it's not what we went through. It's who it helps us become on the other end. So whatever you're going through, as you hear this, know that it's all to help build you into this new, better person. And that's (laughs) what that journey is. That's what this, this journey of life is it's, it's not about being angry that things happen to us or frustrated or feeling entitled. I, I went a long time where I thought that, well, I'm a kid and my mom died, so fuck you. Why don't I have it easy? Because, you know, I had that attitude and it got me nowhere. The truth is that didn't make me special. Today, I can feel special and happy because I look at where I was and who I've become and I'm ex- insanely proud of who i am now and i get to look myself in the mirror and i'm excited with the life that i've built for myself but that came not because i got hung up on what happened to me but i but i got focused on who do i want to become and who do i want to be and i think that that's key for us to to realize about our lives
1: Wow, well, man this is such an inspiration I, i'm literally getting the goosebumps i mean this is so inspiring and thank you so much for sharing so when i embarked upon the personal development journey this is this was one of my questions who do i want to become and not as a you know i don't know success or the the professional part of it but rather as a person right so the personal development part of it who do i want to become and thinking in the long run so i think it's a really important question for the listeners to contemplate on so that's that's huge and i wanted to dive into the book because you wrote this incredible book so it's it's brand new it was released in december 2019 if i'm not mistaken and uh once more it's called i hate uh, all the reasons i hate my 20 year old boss and so i wanted to ask about the mission of this book um you know why this book you tapped into that a little bit who is this book for and the problem or challenge that it solves? You know, so. Uh, well, yeah, the, you
0: know, I think, the, you know, a, as I kind of mentioned, while, while the book does have the word hate in the title, right? Like I, I'm sure you guys could tell if you, if, and thank you for everyone that's listening and you've hung out with us this long. I appreciate it. Um, yeah. You know, you, you can tell, like I, I'm very much about love and togetherness and bringing people together and community. I mean, those are such big pillars for my life. And so, you know, we now have four generations of people all working together. Um, it's kind of an unprecedented thing, right? And it's everything from, you know, the the startup culture, you have companies now that are being run by people in their 20s, people in their 30s, um, where for the longest time, everyone always kind of, you know, subscribed to this idea that, you know, with age comes more responsibility, you know, you, you with more wisdom, you know, you're going to get the opportunity to to in your career. And so bosses were older. Well, now, because of the, the internet uh, technology, things have shifted to where now you do have a lot of younger bosses, you have younger people in management positions. And when you've been, when you're someone that's maybe a little bit older, and you've, you've subscribed to this idea of, of this age being such a uh, defining moment in who gets to move forward. And then all of a sudden you're standing there and you think it's your opportunity. And then now all of a sudden your boss is 28. You're like, what the hell just happened? Uh, why did this person just get to cut in front of me in line? Like, what's going on? And yeah. and it can be a very difficult pill for people to swallow if they're so focused on that mm. the age of things. And so for me, I really wanted to build a uh, or write a book that would help bridge the generation gap and would help mm-hmm. bring people together. So it's written in a tone. That's, it, it's very fun and comedic and lighthearted, but while tackling some ser- very serious, uh, you know, emotional hangups that people are, are encountering, uh, every chapter is, is a reason that you would hate your boss, right? So, you know, every little, you know, little things and, but then through the book, you kind of learn like, hey, I'm. this is what I'm saying, this is what I'm feeling, but hey, maybe there's a, a deeper reasoning behind it and kind of focusing on it and then giving some perspective shifts. Now, the when I wrote the book, it kind of was more aimed at the 35 to 55 year old that's now working and maybe has a younger boss. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, and I wasn't even anticipating this, uh, but I've been getting amazing feedback from from millennials, people that are in their 20s, people yeah. that are in their 30s, people that are you know saying, "Oh my God!" Like I'm like I didn't realize I was I didn't realize how I was creating some of these problems for myself or. Um, you know, oh my God, you know, I, I had a lot of people that were in that older demo that were like, man, I wish I would have had this book 15 years ago. It would like, I, I would have yeah. saved myself a lot of heart, you know, times. Wow. So I feel like I wrote this book kind of aimed at more of a neat, you know, a smaller demo of that 35 to 54, uh, with a little bit of stuff sprinkled in for the younger for the younger generation. But it ended up being something where I mean, here's the truth. If you've ever had a boss that was a pain in the ass, you're going to find a lot of value in this book. Right? Like if, if you've ever had somebody that was difficult to deal with, there's there's a lot of things in the book. Um, and also, if you're a if you are a person that's read a lot of self help or you're in that world, I tried to make it new and fun and fresh. Uh, so it might be recaps on some things, but have a new take. Uh, or it's you know I also wanted it to be something that someone who doesn't read a lot. So if you're a podcaster or a podcast listener. And you're like, man, I got to read more. Um, This book, it's going to be, it's going to take you maybe two hours, two and a half hours to get through. It's fun. It's interactive. Uh, So it's a book that if you haven't read a lot of books and you're like, Hey man, I probably need to get back into it. This is going to be a good book that you can probably start on a Friday, finish on a Sunday, and then you can post about it on social media and tell your friends that you read books and they'll think you're smart.
1: (laughs) Wow. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. It sounds like a great book. And so I was just wondering, what are some, what are some of the biggest takeaways when someone, you know, just, uh, get the book, read it. Uh, I know that you talk about leadership. So what are some of the most important messages or takeaways? Yeah.
0: You know, I think one of the, and this is just the one that is standing out to me because it's one that so many people talk to me about after they've read the book and and that really resonate. It's yeah silencing the advice monster there's so much of us that when we hear a problem we want to fix it we we hear somebody say a struggle and we want to give them immediately we want to give them an antidote on how they should be feeling better or even me as someone that's in the motivational field right like always wanting to find the silver lining. Well, there's a difference at times between somebody need, having an emotional need and having an intellectual desire, right? They're having a, 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 you know, they need to be supported emotionally, not intellectually. And a lot of times we're so quick to talk at people. I mean, and look at me, here I am, you know, I'm a guy that talks a mile a minute. And, but we have, we have such a, we want to talk and we want to fix and we want to help. And we want to show that we can help people. But the truth is, We have to be able to silence the advice monster. And the best things you can do a lot of times is just ask questions. Instead of trying to bulldoze someone and fix their problems, try to understand the problem. Um, You know, if I, here's the thing. If I walked in day one into the recovery world and I, and they said, Hey kid, just don't drink alcohol. (laughs) Like, sure. Cool. Simple enough. Thanks, man. But at that time I had emotional needs that weren't being met. So if they had hit me with an intellectual argument of just don't pick up a drink, I would have been like, well, screw you guys. You don't understand what I'm going through. So a lot of times we think we're being helpful, but we're not. So one of the biggest things that we can do is pump the brakes on this desire to always jump into advice mode, silence the advice monster inside of us, and then truly try to connect with people. Just ask questions. Try to learn a little bit more about your coworkers, about your friends, about your family. you know, one of the funniest things I did is, you know, and you appreciate this because you do a lot of interviews and podcasts. When I, I, at one point, a few years ago, I was doing a podcast and I started interviewing a lot of my friends Mm -hmm. and we had these moments where we had friends that I had known for 10 or for, you know, five, six, seven years. And I'm like, Whoa, I just learned a lot about you. And it's like, while it was cool, there was also a moment where it's like, well, what does that say about our friendship where we learned more about each other in an hour long interview of asking each other questions yeah. Instead yeah. of just like bulldozing each other or trying to like, you know, throw our little quippy, you know, advice things on everything. You don't need to have the answers. And yeah. I think that that's something that uh, not having answers doesn't make you stupid. It doesn't make you dumb. Think about it. One of the greatest philosophers of all time, who we still know, and we still talk about centuries after his passing, Socrates, what are we still, what, what, what are his biggest words, right? Like, his biggest thing is true wisdom is knowing you know nothing. And it's like if, if Socrates, if Socrates can last all these years and he can get away with saying that he doesn't know anything, then I sure as hell can. So sometimes it's for me to just pump the brakes, step back and just say, hey, I'm here to listen and let's talk it through and silencing my desire to jump into advice mode.
1: Wow, I couldn't agree more. Why? You mentioned the question a couple of times. I'm a huge believer of the concept of, uh, you know, questions are the answer. So you talked about, I think, paradigm shifting or shifting mindsets or perspectives. Questions are perfect just for that. So it's really, really true. And being being curious uh, about the other person about their struggles because your experience is totally just your experience and it's not true for for everybody, right? So if you give an advice, it's not necessarily helpful for other people. And man, um, huge! But actually, we are coming to the end of this episode, and um, I wanted to ask you about maybe if you could recommend uh, books for the listeners that you know just transform your life, your mindset, or Some of your favorites,
0: yeah, definitely. And you know, I actually have. um, So each year, I always throw up all the books that I've read on on my blog. So if you're curious and just seeing the whole list of every book that I read, uh, I have that up on my blog at my website, um, PhilipAndrew.co/slash/blog. But you know, the I'm sure you get a lot of really great business suggestions. So I kind of wanted to stay away from that a little bit because you know I I could tell you the normal ones, but you know, two that I really that a lot of people will might understand or appreciate if um, there's a book called hit makers by Derek Thompson. And for those of you that if you enjoyed listening to my story of entertainment and things like this, you might in, in, enjoy this one. Um, hit makers is kind of, it talks about the, the psychology and the happenings of what makes something a, a success, what makes something a hit. Um, but they use a lot of examples with movies and with music and pop culture So it's, it's, it's definitely a book that will help a lot of entrepreneurs out understanding how to, how to Mm. figure out different things that are what makes a hit um, while also being entertaining. So I would recommend that there's another book that I wanted to recommend. I read a lot of different various things and the book that I, my next recommendation is the power of our words and it's by Paula Denton. And it's, this actually was a book that was recommended to me. Uh, by a friend of mine that works for the Los Angeles County school district. It's a, you know, a massive school district with, you know, millions of kids. And yeah. this is a, this is a required reading material for a lot of uh, a lot of people that work inside of the dish- district. It is a, it, it's such a brilliant book in understanding the different ways that we shape our messages, different ways of communicating with one another. And while it's aimed at a adult to kids it 100% is very effective in under being able to communicate with adults, and also understanding some of the the problems that can come through communication, and why you might have a coworker or a friend or a family member that uh, takes things the wrong way, or, or you know, and it could yeah. either be a the way they've been speak- spoken to in the past, or it could be the way that you're phrasing that you don't even realize that you're that you're coming off a certain way. So those are my two yeah. books. Hit makers by Derek Thompson. Uh, Power of our words by Paula Denton. And and with anything, with books, books are not just collecting information to be reused. Like
1: yeah. there
0: was something really special that happened for me. You know, I used to when we grew up in school, right? We read books because we want to study the stuff so that we can pass the test, and then once it's done, it's done. But what I started to do, and it hit a few years ago, I felt like I stopped reading to try to capture all of the knowledge. And and as if I were collecting it, it started being this thing where I would read one topic and then read something that was off and then another different topic. And then, and then I started to make connections between Mm -hmm. a therapy book and a business book with a finance book and a, and a book about music production and about, you know, and it was like, as you start to learn all of these different things, you start to understand the concepts so much differently. And it goes, it, it's a difference of mindset between reading so that you can memorize that two plus two equals four versus actually understanding the concepts and building an understanding of it to where now you know that two plus two is four, whether it's an apple, an orange, or a car, like knowing the concepts versus just the memorizing of facts, I feel like it is such the, the thing that we should be chasing as we read and as we consume information. So, uh, I hope those help.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. So much value. Uh, thank you so much, uh, for sharing those. I haven't read them. Uh, so definitely great books for me for for the future as well. And so before I ask my last question, uh, please just tell the listeners where they can, you know, get in touch with you online, learn more about you, uh, where they should go
0: totally and and just for the to start if you are still listening to this podcast episode at this point (laughs) hey thank you so much for hanging out with us this long i really appreciate it um make sure you you like this you know like this post share this post it really helps get the word out about this podcast and and if you found value in it uh i'm sure maybe some of your friends will so please share that out if you want to get in touch with me uh my my Uh, email is philipandrewla at gmail.com. Also, you can find me on, you know, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, the name is Philip Andrew Barb, the hashtag or not the hashtag, but the the sign is at Philip Andrew LA. And honestly, if you found value in this, please reach out, even just to say hi. I always love to connect with people and and hear their stories and, and see what was it. So I guarantee I will respond. It won't be some member of my team. It will be me. Uh, so there you go
1: that's amazing thank you so much for sharing and the links are going to be in the show notes so people will find it on the website mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast and so my last question uh philip is what is your vision mission where are you heading with everything that you do
0: I wrote a mission statement for my life and what I wanted it to be. And it's long and I won't share it all, but you know, the gist of honestly, yeah. right. Like I wanted to make sure I focused on not just about what I was going to do and what I was going to achieve, but what, like we mentioned, what type of person do I want to be and, yeah. and how will I always know if I'm heading towards the right thing for me, wow. I will always want to say, like I always want to be growing with value on service and gratitude. And I know that if I, if service and gratitude are pillars for me, and if, mm. if I can, at the end of the day, regardless of where the bank account looks like, regardless of how the house looks, regardless of what car I'm driving, regardless of any of those things, you know, if I can look at the end of the day and know that I, that I've been growing towards service to others and I've been growing towards gratitude for my life. And I know that I'm living a successful life and I'm on my mission. And I think for me, I always say, and I think this rings true for so many of us that are entrepreneurs, that are people that are, we're we're ambitious, we're hardworking, we want to be able to achieve a lot of things, and then we struggle on the flip side with, are we good enough and able to do those? I always remind myself that I want to live at the intersection of absolute content, or I'm sorry, absolute ambition Mm. and complete contentment. And if I can be at both of those places at the same time, if I can be ambitious for more and want to grow and want to achieve and want to continue to to move forward, that's amazing. But I also have to remember that I am good 100% where I am and I am where I am and I'm good here. And, and I can't let myself get too content because then I get lazy. I can't get too ambitious because then I get, then I, then I think I'm, you know, an, an idiot and a screw up. But if I can be
1: ambitious and content at the same time, then
0: that's going to be a beautiful place for myself to live.
1: Wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. So being of service, talking about service, this podcast is all about that. So thank you so much for sharing all those values uh, throughout the conversation. And I wish you good luck with all those aspirations. And thank you so much for being on the show.
0: I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. Take care.
1: what is up mindset nation thank you so much for listening and i really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you and if so please make sure to spread the word and share this episode with your friends we are on a mission to build this community of mindset nation so please make sure to go to itunes go to stitcher and support us by rating and reviewing the show and don't forget to subscribe as well For more information about Mindset Horizon, simply visit our website, MindsetHorizon.com and sign up to our weekly newsletter to get the latest information about new episodes, Mindset Transforming freebies, tips and insights. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Leave us a message. We'd love to get in touch with you and hear more about you. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and be limitless, my friends.